the last few days, I'm watching TV, I get home from the show, I turn on the TV or on the weekend or whatever, and I seem to be, maybe you are too, seem to be inundated with commercials for Finding Dory. You know that Disney movie, the, the, the Pixar movie that's the sequel to Finding Nemo? Another sequel. And I start realizing, wait a second, it seems like there's been a lot of sequels this year. And then I went and looked some of them up to remind myself, there's Kung Fu Panda 3 and Ride Along 2 and Zoolander 2 and Big Fat Wedding 2 and a remake of Jungle Book and Neighbors 2 and an X-Men movie that's a a follow-up and The Conjuring 2 and another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Purge 3 and there's an Ice Age movie again. Ghostbusters is coming out. Where is the originality in movies? Well, joining me to try and sort this out, John Campy is the founder of Collider.com. He's a movie industry blogger and writer down in California. He is also, as it turns out, a Hamiltonian. So we are, even though he is far away, we are glad to have John back on uh, back on Hometown Radio. John, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, John, what is it? Are we Are we actually seeing more sequels to movies, or does it just kind of seem that way? No, we're definitely we're definitely seeing more sequels uh, these days come out in the movie theaters, and and there's two particular reasons why. The first reason is this: one of the the reasons we have a monopoly movie coming, the reason that we have uh, a Angry Birds movie, the reason we have a Pez dispenser movie coming, the reason this is the case is because movie theaters or movie studios, I should say. They love putting movies out in front of you that you already recognize the brand. Because if they can put out something that you already recognize, then half of the job of the marketing department is already done. So when they can come out and say, hey, you know what? People love Ride Along. They remember Ride Along. Let's put out Ride Along too." It's half of the marketing job is already complete because the first one was already out. There was a whole other marketing campaign. They got a feel for what the audience liked about it or didn't like about it, and they can go out and do that. So that is one of the one of the key reasons why we see a lot of sequels. And sometimes, for very artistic reasons, you know, sometimes sequels are called upon because some movies were meant to have more than one. I think of a Lord of the Rings or something like that, where you just needed to tell that story. You needed more than one film. The second uh, big reason, though, uh, that we see that is because. Not only are we seeing more sequels today, we're seeing more movies today than any other time in history. Um, you know, it used to be, you know, back in like 85 or something, when I would go to Limeridge Mall to go watch a movie, or 86, 87, 88. You know, maybe two wide-release movies came out a week. But today, it's not terribly uncommon for, you know, seven movies to come out in one week, with four of them being wide releases. So while it's true we're getting more sequels today than ever, and we are, we're also getting more original films than ever. So it's just part of the overall representation of how many films are being produced today. And so if you feel like you're seeing a lot of sequels, you're absolutely right. I'm a little disturbed, though, John, that you just told me. Is there actually really about to be a Pez Dispenser movie? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A Pez Dispenser movie is in the works. A Monopoly <laughs> movie is in the works. How do you make a Pez? Uh, uh, how, what, what, plot, what plot do you have for the Pez Dispenser? He opened his mouth, a candy shot out, the end. It's like Bambi yeah, meets Godzilla. It's a, it's a good question because, I, I mean, like a Tetris is also a Tetris movie coming. But, you know, here's the funny thing. I remember going back a couple of years when the Lego movie was coming out, and I thought, are you kidding me? That is one of the dumbest ideas. 
I have ever heard. These stupid little building blocks are going to make an entire movie. And I think, like most people, I ended up adoring the movie. So while I see them making something like a Pez Dispenser movie and I'll roll my eyes, i got to remember to bite my tongue a little bit and remember that I felt the same way about a Lego movie. So we're just going to have to wait and see. This, I think this may, there actually may be a contest among the studio heads to come up with who can make a movie about the most ludicrous thing and actually have it make a dollar. I, I mean, it's, it's, it is crazy. Like Some of them that are coming out, like a Tetris movie, like you said, Pez Dispenser, it's nuts, but I mean... I. Just going to have to wait and see what kind of a story they put to yeah. it like they did with the Lego movie, and maybe they've got something creative up their sleeves. Maybe not. Okay, so John, you mentioned a couple things uh, with when you were talking earlier, and one of them is, okay, there are some movies that, um, that cry out for a sequel. Not a ton, I would argue, but there are some, and we'll get to those in a second. But so often, it seems... We go to a movie and we go and, and we like a movie. There's, it's an original movie and there's something about it and we really love it. And then you hear, oh, they're going to do a sequel. Fantastic. And then so often you see the sequel and it's just crap. I mean, what, what percent, honestly, and you're a guy who's seen a million movies. What, give me a rough number that you would say of sequels that actually end up being satisfying for people who liked the original movie. Satisfying. I'll 10, say, 20? I'll say maybe 30. I might go okay. 30. All right. All right. Um, you know, because I just saw a couple. For example, you know, I just saw The Conjuring 2, which was actually quite good. Um, you know, so yeah, I'd say maybe, but you know, 30% seems high, but I mean, 7 out of 10 of them are not very good at all. What What is your favorite all time sequel? Uh, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi would probably be my, my favorite all-time sequel. All right, all right. I'll throw Godfather 2 in there as my, uh, as my favorite. Oh, um, yeah, that's, that's a definite worthy, worthy one to the list. You know, and it, you know, every once in a while, too, you get a... Here's the rarest of occurrences. A sequel that is good to an original that was bad. So, you know, I go back and I think one of the kings of that would probably be, you know, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Because, look, I don't care what anybody says. That first Star Trek movie, the motion picture, was abysmal. But Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, you think, why are they doing a sequel? Like, the first movie was terrible, and then they came out with a sequel, and it's celebrated as one of the, you know, maybe top 20 greatest sci-fi films ever made. I would have to spend a long time beyond that one, and I'm not a sci-fi guy, so that wouldn't have even been on my list, to be honest. But I would have to spend a long time thinking of another one that falls into that category. There's not many. What no, is, no, John, what is the worst sequel in your mind? Highlander 2. Um that is, is easy for me, because the original Highlander with Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery, uh, it was one of the most fun, original, creative ideas. Uh, it's got a little cheese factor, a fantastic Queen soundtrack. I mean, it's just one of the most enjoyable movies to me. It's in my top ten, actually, the original Highlander. And then they came out with a sequel called Highlander The Quickening. And it is on my top five list of not just worst sequels ever made. It's one of the worst motion pictures ever made. Like, it just, it, it was so bad it almost made me dislike the original. That one was just terrible. Another terrible sequel was there was this uh, great comedy with Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro. I think it was called Analyze This. Analyze This, yep. I loved Analyze This. And so I was very excited when they announced they were doing Analyze That. And. I, there's just nothing I can say about it that's, that's any, anything redeemable. 
Uh, there are. This is the easy one, right? Because the the number of bad sequels, of terrible sequels, is a long list. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is Slapshot, and I'll tell you, Slapshot Two: Breaking the Ice, and Slapshot <laughs> Three: The Junior League. Honestly, whoever directed that should be imprisoned right now. Uh, those were among the all time crimes against cinema. I'll be honest with you, but there, the list, as I say, is very very long. And I wonder, John, the thing about this though that really strikes me is how many of these, honestly, when you are a student head when you're looking at your bottom line and you say well you know what people loved Zoolander as an example people you know that movie is a cult classic and people would go see it we don't have to spend a ton of money to make Zoolander 2 and we can probably make a whole lot of money here so this is just an easy bottom line for us oh no absolutely that happens sometimes that you know once again it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier that with Zoolander, you're getting something that no original film can. You're coming with an already built-in audience, people that like the original. And Zoolander is one of those really guilty pleasures of mine. I love the original. I have so much fun with the original. I'll still put it on Netflix every once in a while. But Zoolander 2 was absolutely terrible. And I wish you know, you could say that it's only terrible because they didn't spend enough money on it. No, it's terribly written. It's terribly directed. It's they just had a bad idea from the outset. From it. All the, the little things that turned out to be magic that made the original great were gone. But for overall, yeah, absolutely, studio execs will look at sequels, once again, with slight bias because they know that part of that marketing battle is already done and they already have a certain segment of the audience hooked into coming back to see another one. There's another thing that's going on, though, and it's not as common, clearly. But last time you were on here, we were talking about movies. I don't remember what it was. It was a number of months ago. We were talking about movies that were coming up this season. And one of the ones that came up was Jungle Book. And at that time, you had just seen a preview and you were raving about it, about the new remake of Jungle Book. There have right. been some remakes. And I have not seen Jungle Book yet, the remake. I, I, I take your word for it that it was that good. But even the remake idea seems to me to be walking into some interesting territory because, you know, there, I don't know, even as it might have been great, Jungle Book, I don't know if it needed to be remade, but I know a lot of the ones that get remade don't really need to be remade. Well, I mean, the statement is true, but this is what I often say in a lot of conversations I have with people regarding movies, is that no mission picture in the history of cinema has ever needed to be made. Uh, no film has ever required to be made. And I, I certainly would have said that about, you know, uh, speaking of the Jungle Book, you know, I love the preview I saw for it, but did we need another Jungle Book? Well, no, certainly not. But I came out of the Jungle Book uh, the first time I, had, uh, I saw it uh, a few months ago going, this is the kind of movie that will make me forget the original. Like, this movie hmm. is better than the original Jungle Book. This is more magical. This is more incredible. Um, and so it was just one of those experiences to me that is, it's, it's absolutely going to end up in my top 10 best films of the year list. But remakes are a very interesting proposal. On the one hand, you have that same advantage that sequels have. It's a property that certain people will already recognize. So that, it has that going for it. In some circumstances, you can get movies that really were great ideas, but they didn't get executed to their full potential the last time. Um, and so a film like, I don't know, let's say Scarface, a lot of people don't realize Scarface with Al Pacino is a remake. It's a reboot. Really? Okay, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, 
Yeah, John Carpenter's The Thing. Now, there has been a reboot to John Carpenter's The Thing, but yep. John Carpenter's The Thing was itself a reboot. Um, the uh, the classic uh, horror film, The Fly, with Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. that was a remake. Um, the uh, Martin Scorsese Best Picture winner at the Oscars uh, in uh, The Departed with uh, DiCaprio and, uh, and Matt Damon was a reboot of an Asian film called Infernal Affairs. So... What, what happens is, the reason I like the idea of reboots a little bit more than sequels sometimes is that they can take what they thought was a great story and either, A, bring it to a new audience that maybe didn't see an original that came out 40 or 50 years ago and reintroduce the audience to this great story that otherwise they would never see, or B, they can take a story that they thought, you know what, this was the right idea for a story, but it wasn't done right the first time they did it. So let's take a crack at doing it a little bit differently for this new audience. And so that for that reason, for me, I actually tend to get a little bit more interested in reboots than I do for sequels sometimes. Well, they kind of have to be good, don't they? I mean, I, I would not guess that a studio, even though, you know, they want to make the money and all the rest, I can't believe a studio is going to give a green light to a remake of a decent movie that actually brings it way down and makes it into crap. Well, I mean... I, I like to think to, that they would like to increase it rather than decrease it. Uh, you'd, well, you'd think they'd like to. But, you know, there's a movie coming out <laughs> called Ben-Hur. Really? Um, there's a, yeah, there's a reboot to Ben-Hur coming out. It's coming out within the next few months, actually. Um, and it looks awful. I mean, it just looks awful. Uh, a couple years ago... They remade the classic um, Arnold Schwarzenegger one with Colin Farrell. And it wasn't, was it the running? Total movie? Recall? Was, Total Recall, thank you. Total Recall, something that a lot of sci-fi buffs just cherished that movie. They rebooted it, and it ended up pretty disappointing. I, I'm one of the very, very rare people that kind of enjoyed the reboot, but for the most part, people really disliked that movie. So, look, here's what I often tell people. Every filmmaker, every director, every studio, every writer, every actor, when they start out on a movie, they want to make a movie that audiences will love and critics will love and will have them accepting statues at the Oscars this year. They all start out with this thing. And, and quite often a movie can look really good on a page on a, in a script until you actually start putting it together and breathing life into it. And then you have to sit back and watch it. And whereas many filmmakers started out thinking they were making the next Godfather, they actually ended up making the next Corky Romano. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's an unfortunate reality, but it is, it is a reality in this business. Do you think, John, we got to go, but do you think the director who is right now slaving away on the Pez Dispenser movie has dreams of hoisting an Oscar? Oh, absolutely. They have the same... What, and you know what? They're thinking Lego movie every day. They're slaving away at it and with him and his writers and his producers, and they're thinking, look what Lego Movie did. Audiences cherished that, loved it, uh, got Oscar buzz over it. This can be that and more. And then, you know, wow. will it come to fruition or will it be a pipe dream? We'll just have to wait and see. The only movie I'm thinking right now off the top of my head that could not be a sequel, and we got to go, is Titanic. I don't think they can do a sequel to Titanic. I'm not really sure, but um, other than that, I think anything probably ends up being fair game. John Campia, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Always like having you on. 
Thank you. And by the way, two years ago, the Asylum Studios did put out the Titanic 2. So uh, you, you check that out on Netflix if you have a chance. There actually is a Titanic 2. Not put out by the, by the official studio, not in any way connected to the original, but this little studio called Asylum put out a movie called Titanic 2. And it wasn't a It'll joke? On Netflix. And it never made it into theaters. It never appeared in theaters. I will look that up for sure. I think that must only be on the American one. John, appreciate the time. Thanks. Take care. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.